You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled That Beast. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you've joined me today to hear what the Bible says about another subject. This is another look at something we dealt with in a much earlier program. It is to do with that beast referred to in the book of Daniel chapter 7 and also Revelation chapter 13. Many sincere Protestants have a belief that the beast in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 is some sinister power or person that is up to no good and who makes it hard for God's people. They also believe that this beast is in some way connected with Satan and therefore is evil and of evil intent but they fall short in actually identifying it, although the Bible provides sufficient evidence to identify that beast. You do well to read Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 13 for yourself. Today, we will concentrate on Daniel 7. Daniel 7. Daniel has a vision from God. In it he sees some beasts, that is, some strange animals. The first one is a lion with wings like an eagle. That beast represents the kingdom of Babylonia, which was the world-dominant power from 626 to 539 BC. The second is a lopsided bear, with three ribs in its mouth. That beast represents the Medo-Persian Empire, which conquered the Babylonians in 539 BC. It lasted until 330 BC, when overcome by the Greeks. The Grecian Empire was represented by a leopard with four wings and four heads. Like a leopard moves... It was very swift, and its conquests were quick. The Grecian Empire lasted from 330 BC until 63 BC. Then Daniel sees a fourth beast. It was powerful and terrifying. In Daniel 7.7 it is described this way. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. This beast represents the Roman Empire which conquered the whole of Europe and, as far as historians are concerned, the whole of the then known world. But there are some strange developments. From among the ten horns came up another horn, 
rooting up three of the ten in the process. History records the events just as was described in Daniel's vision. Of the ten main people groups making up the Roman Empire in Europe, the Heruli, the Vandals and the Ostrogoths were eliminated as the papacy grew in strength. Now this is all history, and you don't need to be a neurophysiologist to understand it. This little horn which grew out of the fourth beast, the Roman Empire, was unusual. Daniel chapter 7 verse 8 says, It had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Daniel was perplexed about his vision. He could not understand it, and he wanted to know more. In vision, it was explained to him, and we can read the explanation in Daniel 7.21 and onwards. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth, trampling down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. Now, this doesn't sound to be a very friendly power, does it? Then Daniel is told that this kingdom, which would undergo some internal changes, will finally be crushed, not by another earthly kingdom, but by God, who will set up an eternal kingdom. At this point, we should itemise the characteristics of this little horn that later grew powerful. Firstly, it arose from the Roman Empire. Secondly, it arose when the Roman Empire was already in power. Thirdly, it arose from within the Roman Empire. Fourthly, it uprooted three other horns, that's three other political groups. And then E, it would speak against the Most High, which is, of course, God. And then it says it would oppress God's people, the saints. And then G, it would attempt to change the set times and laws. And lastly, it says it would oppress God's people for a time, times, and half a time. Now, these are the clues that help identify who or what this mysterious power is. Firstly, you must be aware 
that a horn in prophecy represents a power, a major people group, or a country. Therefore, that eliminates any individual. The little horn that grew great does not refer to just a person. It is a power, a state. Now, of all those different points, I'm going to go through them one by one to see um, more about them. The first point is that the little horn power arose from within the Roman Empire. It had nothing to do with China, India or Islam. It grew from within the Roman Empire. The second point is that it arose when the Roman Empire was in power. The so-called Little Horn was not there at the beginning of the Roman Empire when the Greek Empire was overthrown. In fact, many historians put the date of this power arising at 538 AD, when the Pope was made both the religious and political head of what became known as the Holy Roman Empire. Point C says that it arose from within the Roman Empire. Indeed, that was the case. There were no battles with any other powers or countries. There were no conquests and no foreign takeovers. It was an occurrence that was strictly internal. The Roman Empire consisted basically of most of Europe. That included Germany, and that's referred to as the Huns and the Alemanni, France, and that's referred to as the Franks, Spain, referred to as the Visigoths, Portugal, the Suevi, Italy, the Lombards, Switzerland, the Burgundians, England, the Anglo-Saxons, Northern Africa, the Vandals, Italy, the Heruli, and Greece through Yugoslavia and Turkey, the Ostrogoths. Point D was that the so-called Little Horn uprooted three other horns of the existing ten, and indeed that was the case, as the Heruli, the Ostrogoths and the Vandals lost their self-ruling status. As the little horn that is Roman-based power grew in might. Now what I'm telling you now is, is just history. Point E highlights an entirely different issue. This little horn power is not only a political power, but it has spiritual interests as well, because it speaks against the Most High God. So, it is a religio-political power, meaning church and state combination where its religious interests were enforced politically. 
That means that the laws of the land, of the state, were used to enforce its religious dogmas. As Daniel put it, this power spoke against the Most High God. So there were things that God put in place that this power opposed. In other words, it set itself up over God. It made claims that it had enough authority in itself to surpass the authority of God. Now, point F is about that this power would oppress the saints, God's true people, who obey him. Again, history records that millions of people were persecuted and died during the reign of the papacy in the Holy Roman Empire during the Dark and Middle Ages. God's people were persecuted and martyred, not because they committed any crimes. It was because they made a choice to live quiet, constructive lives in obedience to God's will, and they were not prepared to conform to the religious practices that were being forced on them. When you think about it, one of our human rights is to believe and practice our religious beliefs without any interference by the state. Back then, people did not have those rights. In certain countries, particularly where Islam is dominant, the state is used to enforce religious dogmas and practices. For example, anyone caught drinking or in the possession of alcohol in countries such as Iran runs the risk of fines, imprisonment or even bodily mutilation. Those punishments are enforced by the state, although they are of a religious nature. For over a thousand years during the Holy Roman Empire, the Church used the power of the state to enforce its views. According to many Bible expositors, the same may happen in the future as the world draws closer to a one-world government. We're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards. Touch me and all joy. 
that this beast power will seek to change the set times and laws. Whose set times and laws? Well, God's, of course. What are those set times and laws? Well, let's do laws first. God provided mankind with a remarkable set of rules for living called the Ten Commandments. But this power has fiddled with them. They took out the second commandment because it covers the worship of images, which they like to do, and then they split the tenth commandment into two, thus making the number up to ten. And then there's the change to God's times. This power has had the temerity to change God's times. God said that the seventh day of the week is to be the day of rest, the Sabbath. But this power has changed the day of rest to the first day of the week, Sunday. And they say that they have done this as proof of their authority. They claim that God has endowed them with all authority on earth and therefore they are at liberty to change anything they want. So far... I've not definitively identified who this beast power is. At the end, we will go through the list to find out. The description given to Daniel will need to apply to the one power in each and all of the seven points listed in Daniel 7. The last point, G, says, The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. In prophecy, a time refers to a year. Times, that's plural, is two years. And a half a time is half a year. So 
that works out at three and a half years, right? Some have looked into history and have come up with some weird ideas that just do not fit. The main assertion is that Antiochus Epiphanes was the one who best fits the three and a half year timescale. But he was a Greek king who lived between 175 BC to 168 BC and he really did not do a great deal to oppress the saints, God's people. No, this time prophecy is of much longer and greater proportions than Antiochus Epiphanes. In prophecy, a day stands for a year. A Jewish year was said to have had 360 days. So then, three and a half years would amount to 1260 days. But then, by applying the year for a day principle, those 1260 days represent, yes, you've guessed it, 1260 years. So then the beast power would oppress the saints for a period of 1,260 years. Does this time period fit any known historical events? Well, yes. The papacy became the political and religious ruler over the Holy Roman Empire in 538 AD and it held absolute power until 1798 when its head, the Pope, was taken prisoner, thus ending its reign of terror for anyone who wanted to follow his own conscience regarding who, how or when he worshipped. Now do the maths. 1798 minus 538 and what do you get? 1260. 1260 literal 24-hour days does not seem plausible and in line with the other identifying factors of this prophecy. The time period must have been much longer than three and a half days or even three and a half years. In some versions of the Bible, the translators have described this time period as 42 months of years, while others have simply said it was 1260 years. To me, there is no case to be made for any other time period. So now, who or what is this little horn power? Could it be Russia or China? Well, definitely not, as this power came from the succession of kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Could it be the Muslims? Also, definitely not, as the Muslims had nothing to do with uprooting three national groups in Europe and North Africa as they rose to strength. Besides that, there are no notable events amounting to a period of 1260 years in Muslim history. 
Could it have something to do with the United States of America? Not very likely, as the time prophecy does not fit and the USA was founded on the principles of human rights and freedom of worship. God's people, the Pilgrim Fathers, who were persecuted in Europe, were the founders of the USA. Many Bible scholars are convinced that this little horn power that arose from the Roman Empire is the papacy. That is, the Roman Church in its religious and political capacity. They reason thus because a. it arose from the Roman Empire b. it arose from the Roman Empire while it was strong, not during its demise. And then, as the little horn was different from the other horns, the papacy was different because it was both political and religious. Did the papacy oppress the saints? No question about that. Millions and millions of God-fearing people lost their lives because they were not prepared to bow down in what they considered as false worship. Their deaths are well documented. Did the papacy seek to change the set times and laws? Definitely. Where did Sunday worship come from? Who changed God's holy Ten Commandments? It was, as you might have guessed, the papacy. In which power oppressed the saints while it was in power for a period of 1260 years? Again, the papacy. Ah, my friends, the dark and horrible history of the papacy was foretold many hundreds of years earlier, and it was all recorded in the Bible. We would do well to take notice of the Bible, because events future to now have also been foretold. Not only does the Bible record prophecy, but it is a light to show us the way to God and eternal life. But will you ignore it, or will you act on what it presents? I sincerely hope you will read and follow what God has written and wants you to know. Or we must stop. Join me next time, won't you, for another presentation in the series, Give Me the Bible. Until then, I wish you God's blessings and peace and hope.